right. Good morning. It's the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590. The fan, Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar. And my golly. Uh-oh. What's wrong, Forzy? What's the problem? No, everything's good. Everything's good. Are you... You know that meme where the guy's, like, got the mask on and it's he's smiling, but behind the mask he's, like... Right. Tortured. That's how I think we're all feeling this morning. You have to have, like, by law, you have to have the mask on when we're only four games through the Blue Jays' schedule? <laughs> That's right. Is that... Yes. We're only four games through the Toronto Blue Jays' schedule, folks. <clears throat> but things are not looking swell to say the least. And Justin, I kind of joked with you yesterday that you were all up in arms and pumped the brakes, buddy. I didn't expect to see Jose Barrios <laughs> what, you lit didn't, up for you didn't, se- you didn't expect no, that. I, maybe I was holding out hope. Expect is a, definitely not the word. I was uh, hopeful that we wouldn't see the Jose Barrios of last year. Lit up for seven runs in the first start of his season after... Chris Bassett was also lit up, and Alec Manoa is also not doing well. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Gosman's cursed. <laughs> so four games, it's not a nice feeling this morning, Justin. Well, yeah, I think after three games, it was like everything that could have gone wrong kind of went wrong, right? Like you, you're the things you're worried about, at least. Like I'm worried about Alec Manoa not being Alec Manoa of last year because the numbers would suggest there's some regression there. And then you're worried about, you know, the curse that hangs over Kevin Gosman. That's the only thing that's, like, fictional that we're talking about here. Maybe it's not fictional, but it's not proven fact. You can't, it's not a tangible thing. It's okay. this mysterious aura that's right. happening. I don't and know how you can evaluate that. Chris Bassett, of course, is a newcomer. We don't know what we're going to see. We, of course, didn't like what we saw because it was one of the worst debuts in the history of this team. But all that stuff, not as consequential, I think, as the Jose Barrios storyline, <laughs> right? Not as consequential. We expect Alec Manoa to, I mean, they won the game, but we expect him to be good, even if he's not as good. Gosman, that's probably the only night of the week you're going to feel comfortable is when Kevin Gosman's out there, at least at this moment. And we hope that Bassett can turn things around. But in terms of things that had to change, mm-hmm. things that needed to be different for this team to achieve a level of success that they have outlined for themselves, Barrio, we talked about it all, all winter long, had to bounce back. Unfortunately, the first impression for this season is that this is the exact same pitcher that we saw last season, where it's, yeah, he can felt the strike zone a little bit. He's going to miss his spots. He's going to get hit around. Some starts are going to be okay. The Blue Jays will win every uh, start every now and then when he's out there. But by and large... He is hittable, and he was as hittable as it could get last night against the Kansas City Royals, who are one of the worst teams offensively in baseball. And who pick up their first win of the season as well. And you just can't feel good about it. So if we're checking off things that, hey, this could be a positive, this could be a positive here. None of those, none of those boxes we've been able to check through the first four games of the season. And I understand the record doesn't matter, but the process, getting to the results, does matter. And if these things keep popping up, then it's going to be an issue. And when all these things are an issue early on, it's like, okay, can we solve all of them? Because if you can't solve all of them, then you're not going to be an elite team, at least throughout the regular season. It's a disappointing start for I sure. I think last night was probably the worst case scenario. The worst of the four? Worst case scenario for the Toronto Blue Jays and fans who are trying to find a level of comfortability after three games so 100%. 100%. Jose Barrios, three runs on four hits in the first inning. <laughs> oh, my God. 
yielded four runs in the fourth inning. Four balls were hit over 100 miles per hour or harder. Um, six of nine hits came on the fastball and the sinker. He is coming off a career worse in 2022, which we already know. He just signed a monster deal, which this doesn't, you know, fade away into the darkness anytime soon. Locked up to through 2020. He's going to be here for quite a while. The conversation we had with Caitlin McGrath maybe three weeks ago, I remember she wrote an, um, an article at The Athletic going through all of these lengthy, lengthy processes that Jose Brios took in the offseason to change basically everything about his approach, right? And I was very encouraged because the guy is clearly an incredible competitor. Like he, this is this is hard to watch because you know he's taking this extremely seriously. Like I think he's put the work in. It's uh, eating him up. It's and at this point, if you do eight different off season processes to change your approach, your swing, your whatever, your arm positioning, blah blah blah. He went through all of this. And he looks exactly the same. That's to me, like, I don't know what the, I don't know what's next, right? Mm-hmm. That's where you get scared. It's not like, okay, you can tell that he's tipping pit. Maybe he is. Maybe there's something that you can circle and you go back and you say, hey, buddy, this is one small fix. But he went through so much this off season that I feel like I'm left with this, like, almost a a level of, confusion that I, I don't know. I don't know what's next. We have Shai Davidi on, let's just say that now, at 7.30. And, yeah, I mean, I, I can think, help work through it. I think that's what scares you the most, is mm-hmm. that you're it's doing... not knowing. Ev- you're, no, you're doing everything to change, but you can't change it, right? You're doing... You're moving all around the bump, your arm angle, everything is, mm-hmm. everything is changing because there was an issue last year, and yet the result is the exact same. And you don't have to look at anything but the location... Of his pitches. Yep. I mean, he's throwing 94. It's hitting the center of the plate. His changeup is, what, 10 ticks off that, and it's hitting the center of the plate, mm-hmm. or at least it's hanging in the strike zone long enough for guys to track it. Like, it's these pitches are just not effective. It is batting practice out there when he's not hitting the corners. You have to hit the corners if you're going to be throwing 94, and he's yep. not. It's the, 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 the location of the fastball, the location of his pitches. It's just not precise. And for him, the way he throws, how hard he throws, it has to be, and it's not. And nothing he can do right now seems to be able to change it based on what we've seen through a season and one start here. Let's play some clips about Jose Brios and John Schneider talking about last night's game. Probably haven't heard it yet because it was a a late one, unless you listen to Jay's talk after the game, which you should. But uh, here's John Schneider just on Brios' outing, which... I think we were left wanting a bit more. Um, good and bad. I think, you know, really good innings. And then I think, um, you know, just pitches in the middle of the plate, which is what we're trying to avoid, um, you know, executed. But I think just the consistency of it wasn't exactly uh, where we or he had hoped. Um, I thought his stuff was really good. Uh, but, again, I think just breaking balls kind of in the middle of the plate down as opposed to, you know, backdoor to those lefties. Um, and, you know, just some probably some sequencing, doubling up or, or not, you know, in certain in certain counts, but um, stuff was there. But I think just the consistency of it wasn't. He's right. Like there was some good moment. Like there were some good moments. The fifth inning was beautiful. He still got seven st- strikeouts. <laughs> Silver lining. Silver lining. <laughs> better than zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, but consistency is that's the tough thing with Jose Barrios too. And this was all last season. Like he would have 
really great outings. And you'd be like, oh, that's the guy that they wanted, that they signed, but then he falls off a cliff. And to see that in one game is even a little bit scarier. I, I did like what they, how they managed Barrios in the game because I thought he was coming out after four. You can't. The bullpen's been, <laughs> but but I taxed. I liked it, and then he had that fifth inning. I'm like, send him out again. Let's I, see. I actually like, agree. with The that. game yeah. was over, right? It was seven one around mm-hmm. there at the time. It's like get you have to work if you have to work through it. He's been trying to work through it for a while. He's been trying all spring to change, you know, mechanically all that stuff. But like, you have to you, if you're gonna get touched up, whatever. You have to throw pitches. You have to see if you can find something. And they were like straight to the iPad, back to the mound, straight mm-hmm. to the iPad, talking feverishly about what's going on. Like clearly there's like a little process and a change and things that are happening that are, uh, you know, that at least it's not natural, right? Like he's trying to find something. And I like that they gave him the opportunity to work for it, work through it rather. I wouldn't even mind it if he went through the six, went into the seventh. just throw pitches, just get to the point where you can try and find some comfort mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's already bad. Is it going to get worse? Yeah, it could get worse. It did get worse in that sixth inning for him. I think they tacked another, I think it was another two runs on him because Zach Pop immediately, not helping the uh, the stat line at all, giving up a, a home run immediately, and one of those was charged to Barrios. But it's just, I, I like that they gave him a chance to work through it. He was only given that opportunity, I guess, maybe in part because of the bullpen, but because the game was out of reach at that point. But it just can't be quick hook. And then that was what it was like with Kikuchi last year. It was like quick hook. You don't learn anything. You don't grow. You don't change anything. Barrios needs, if he's, you got paid, man. You got paid. You got to work through it. You have to work through it on the mound. If you get touched up, you get touched up. But you have to throw pitches. Mm -hmm. And we need to see him try to get through things, try to find it. Because maybe that pays dividends down the road. I can't agree more. I think putting him through it. You hope that he finds that consistency, that level of confidence. Maybe he leaves the game on a higher note, but it wasn't looking pretty. And if, you, if you're right, if you yank him early on, think about the rest of the team, too. You've just seen three out of four of your starting pitchers have really tough outings, shorter outings that they should have had. You don't think that they're sitting there in the, in the bullpen, um, in the dugout, thinking, oh, my God, this is a terrible mm-hmm. start. We can't just see guys have two, three innings of disaster. So, Oh, yeah. my God, this is Jose of last year. Exactly. Like so I, I think can... there's at least 25% of the decision to think about the team dynamic and the team energy. It's really tough. They're starting the, they're starting the season on, what, a 10-game road trip, too? Like, this, is, this isn't like the comfortability of being at home. There's already a lot going on. You're out of your ballpark. You're, you just did spring training for so long. You're starting the season with all this excitement and expectations. It's been a pretty brutal start. I think you've got to manage just like how everyone else is doing, too, being a part of this team when you're starting rotation, which is supposed to be one of the strongest parts of your team, has had a pretty brutal start. Given up nine runs in three of the four games. Uh, and you can't tell me that like it, it was another poor offensive showing overall. Right. That's a that's and something you need to fix as well. But one hundred percent, but I think it bleeds into it. If if it's mm-hmm. again like you're the starters I wouldn't say not gonna get far, but the starters giving up runs, the starters digging you a hole. I can't imagine that doesn't have an effect on the offense where it's like, okay, let's lengthen this swing a little bit and try to hit this three run home run. Like I think that's maybe the Brendan Belt symptom right now. Like a lot of guys are kind of I don't it's how, all connected. how much it's connected, I'm not really sure, but you can't tell me that it's not. And all we've seen, at least recently, garbage time run yeah. production from this team. Like, as much as the pitching is the first and foremost the problem, the offense has not been strong to start. And there's been some 
stat padding late in the game, but I, I feel like all these things are connected, but both things are not working. And boy, would it help if they just had a strong first inning and put someone in a position where they can pitch with the lead. It's the same as the Leafs. If you got Matt Murray in net and it's, what, a 4 nothing game, you change the way you play offensively. It's exactly the same with, with baseball right mm-hmm. now. You're watching Jose Barrios and uh, Bassett and Manoa not have the most exciting, prolific of starts, you definitely change your approach. And maybe it's not even, like, on purpose. There's got to be a level of your brain that feels like you need to hit a home run to the moon. You need to really, like, t- like tune into this at-bat. And it's not working. Yep. Right now, uh, Blue Jays starters have a combined 1080 ERA. <laughs> I know. It's, it's early. And we're like, I'm obviously being a bit dramatic. But, yeah. Tonight, maybe the most important start of the season, you say <laughs> Kikuchi coming in because this is serious. This is not tongue in cheek. If you say Kikuchi comes out today and looks like Jose Barrios or looks like you say Kikuchi of last year, I honestly I don't know what the Toronto's gonna Toronto's gonna blow up. Well, we're going to be eagerly turning the page to play in games and first round series with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And was like, okay, we'll deal with this in six weeks because it's going to be ugly, right? Like, but uh, the optimistic point of view, though, or the flip side of that is that let's say he performs at a level that you expect from Jose Barrios. Then that's your fourth starter. If it is Manoa, Gosman, Bassett gets his, mm-hmm. his, his Bassett together. If he gets his Bassett together and you say Kikuchi gives you what you were demanding that you got from Jose Barrios if you wanted to be a team that's going to compete for the Yankees for the ALE's crown, then maybe you have something there. Like we've been talking about like, okay. You, you mean get the a, Rays who are 4-0. Or, or the Rays that are 4-0 and, and just don't play anyone that's. <laughs> yeah, they're playing garbage. But like the Rays are the Rays. I mean, hey, like, whatever, we'll look, take it. Where else are you going to work for or look for quality pitching? You're going to look for the Tampa Bay Rays. But if he can be positive, if he can be more than positive, if he can just be, if he can be something that's that resembles what you thought you were getting a couple off seasons ago, mm-hmm. then maybe you have something. And you look at his spring training numbers, great. Okay, talk Kikuchi's going to go off MVP. tonight. I'm very, very I excited. I cannot for wait to start. watch this baseball game. However, the reaction, if it doesn't go well for me, is going to be very, very negative because <laughs> I'm actually like I'm feeling good about where you you say Kikuchi is at. But if it's the same thing, mm-hmm. then we're talking about every single thing that could go wrong early in the season, save for a major injury or whatever, has gone wrong. And that's not a great way to start the season through five through five games and through one spin of the rotation. I hope Kukuchi doesn't feel the pressure tonight, but it certainly feels like it has mounted massively onto his shoulders. I know it is now going to be game five of the season. Toronto Blue Jays are one and three. <sighs> One and four would sound really bad, but yes, I understand there's 162 games in the season. You can turn it around and get on a hot streak, what they've done in the past. They've had hot months. They've had Bo Bichette of that one month and player of the month. Like People can turn it on, but it's not a great way to start your season. We can say that with a level of confidence. And to reiterate, like the the result does not matter that much. If they're one and four, whatever, does not matter. It's what you're seeing. But it matters if everyone Mm -hmm. who needs to be improved hasn't is still regressing if that's the case it's going to be hard to turn this all around Mm -hmm. because then it's on multiple individuals to be demonstrably better than what the the standard they have set for months seasons what have you it's hard to have everyone in unison turn things around 
it's easy to get through a Gosman Bapip situation where it's just like, oh, he just, you know, a little unlucky. Yeah. A little unlucky. And so can showing you good four. stuff. Right? You can be unlucky one in four. Mm-hmm. You can be, wow, we have a lot of issues one in four. Definitely. Uh, Blue Jays finally got a home run. This is a positive. But they were the last team in the MLB mm-hmm. <laughs> to get one. Hey, that Shout happened to Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette. Getting it done in the ninth inning. And I don't know if this is because it was the ninth inning and it was a very sad game. But no home run jacket, which yeah, we knew. Still of, intrigued there. No home run celebration, other than they went through and high fived. <laughs> was it at the perfect like situation to leave us hanging? Right. Because Bobachet was is he's he's not the the home run jacket yes. guy. He's not the rah rah guy. He's more Schneider than he is Barrio, I guess. And we don't know what's happening with Jack. Do we know what they're doing. The re- actual it, celebration is just no celebration. I or do you feel think they like they have held something. It? Maybe they're holding it for like a, like a home being run that home, means something, or a home run that means something, or they just don't involve Bo Bichette. I have no idea what the situation but that was, is. It was, but it was a perfect. <laughs> it was perfect if you want to like leave that storyline still up in the air. It's definitely still up in the air. They got to get off to a hot start. They're back tonight. Um, you say Kikuchi on the mound. It'll be. 7.40, first pitch once again against the Royals. We'll see. They got to get out to a hot start. It has been the opposite of that, except for that that home opener, I mean, the uh, season opener where everyone got, George Springer got hits coming out the wazoo, mm-hmm. breaking records, Bo Bichette. It's definitely been sleepy quiet ever it, since. Um, runners really in scoring position. And Matt Chapman, there's a positive, staying hot. Yeah, staying hot. And he's made changes to his approach yeah, as well. And at least that's one you can be like, hey, that's working right now. The toe tap, it's all working. He's hitting doubles. He's just not convincing Alejandro Kirk to run on those doubles despite there being two out. You got to run, Alejandro, if you're going to score from first base. He's behind of spring training. He is, which means you cannot hesitate, that's especially right. with two outs, Alejandro. See, I'm wondering how much of this is going to be chalked up to it's early in the season. To me, I think, well, you just went through spring training. What's the point of spring training? If it's early in the season, you know, how long do you get to use that excuse after you did a lengthy spring training? That's just my own, that's my thought because I think there'll be a lot of those connections made. Doesn't look early for some teams. No. So. Doesn't look early for the New York Yankees or the Tampa Bay Rays. Anyway. Five ninety five nine. How are people feeling this morning? It, it, it all depends on like, okay, it, yeah, you're like not a level of apologist, but it's like how. But I do feel like I have to qualify how, where I'm coming how you from. At times, look at it. It's like yeah, it's early, or you can, or you can look at last year and the things and the trends that have been building and building and building, and be like, yeah, there's probably an issue here. Maybe we shouldn't just assume they will work through it and consider what we've seen and extended to spring training. There should be no extended spring training. Of course not. You should be ready to go. You've been in spring long enough. But it seems like there are some things that they're still working through, but there's also some issues. And I think how you look at the whole scenario is up to you. But these things still exist. Mm -hmm. The ramp-up process still exists, but the issues are persisting. So Kikuchi's got the mound tonight. Monster start for him. I feel confident, and I hope that I come on the radio tomorrow morning vindicated. I'm unreasonably excited for this start. So tonight is a huge Toronto sports night. And it's, you know, you've got Columbus here against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's Pride Night. We'll talk to Luke Fox about all things Maple Leafs as well today. 7 p.m. puck drop. 7 p.m. 
tip-off between the Raptors at the Charlotte Hornets. And 7.40 p.m., first pitch for Blue Jays and Royals. So get your eyeballs ready. Get your multiple screens. Hashtag Rogers Ignite because it's a big one tonight. Uh, lots to tee up. Lots to look forward to. Monster homers parlay today in the wake and rake. Speaking of, I have never, ever, ever seen the Toronto Raptors so heavily favored on the money line that I actually thought that there was a mistake on the internet. I looked at multiple books because I thought, this, okay, this, no, this isn't real. I asked Daniele when he came in here, I said, what do you think the Raptors' like money line favorite is? And he's like, oh, probably like 250 or like 300. Uh, how about 1,300? <laughs> Minus 1,300 on the money that line That seems tonight. a little extreme. I just like, obviously, you have to bet. To bet the Hornets. Maybe, maybe just not include them in the Homer parlay because anyway, it's not outrageous. even going to give you anything. They're back tonight um, on the heels and of all the Nick Nurse drama. I hope you got a chance to w- listen to the Raptors show yesterday with Will Liu and Alex Wong because they did a really great job breaking down and they had Michael Grange as well who's been covering this quite closely. So um, we will talk about Pascal Siakam also who was on ESPN yesterday and had a couple quotes. But a sporting event that did happen as well last night was NCAA final. UConn with their championship fifth in program history with a dominant 76-59 win over San Diego State. It was kind of boring. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, was a, it, it was an unforgettable night for Jose Brios, of course. It was an unforgettable night, I think, in college basketball. Just a little bit. It was not a thriller by any means. It was kind of a slog as well. Like it wasn't aesthetically pleasing at any degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't really know why. Is it just UConn? The UConn influence is so strong that it's just not pretty and that's fine. And that's how they won their title. And that's how they went, I believe, 6-0 and against the spread. And blew they won out, all their blew six out every games team. by double digits. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were clearly the most dominant force at the tournament, but unfortunately, the way they play basketball is not exactly the most thrilling and enter- entertaining thing. Uh, and the flip side of that is there was no one really on San Diego State that pops, right? Mm. There's no one that jumps off the page that can do things Caitlin Clark style, where even if they are outmatched and Iowa was outmatched in the women's final against LSU, at least there were moments where it's like, wow, there's some impressive basketball on that side, even if they are outgunned here. It really wasn't that with San Diego State. They're kind of a poor man's version of UConn in, in some ways, or at least that's mm-hmm. how it struck me. So it was not very interesting. It was kind of disappointing. It certainly got outshone by the women's final on Sunday, uh, but UConn deserves all the flowers in the world because they dominated this tournament like few can and few ever had. Uh, and it was, you know, they deserve they deserve their accolades because that was quite the performance overall. They never looked like they were going to lose any of their six games. They only trailed in the second half of a game once, and that was for 40 seconds. Their average margin of victory was 20 points. They basically steamrolled everybody on the way to another national championship. And I might have changed my tune a little bit on on. upsets because I was fired up a week and a half ago when the big number ones, number twos fell, and it was dramatic, and it was must-see TV, but that did leave us with less of an exciting final. I don't know, in hindsight, it's 2020, if I went back and said, well, it would be great to see number one versus number one, wouldn't that be great? Those moments that we had throughout the entire March Madness were really, really awesome. Mm -hmm. But last night wasn't the exciting final four, the final national championship game that I had seen in the past. I don't know. I, I... 
And obviously now, wouldn't it have been nice to have a, a big head-to-head of two monster teams? I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I know I listened to J.D. Bunkus and he said something similar. And I remember being like, eh, he's, oh, I don't like the, I don't like when there's upsets. And I was in the opposite camp of that because the upsets were happening and they were so exciting. It leaves you with what you got last night. And it was, you le- you're left with, yeah. Well, I think it depends on what you prefer. Do you prefer like a crazy Thursday, Friday, and you just kind of, eh, do I have to watch the final? Like, uh, that's kind of, it's it's up to you, yeah. right? Like, if you're having all these upsets, yeah. I mean, the, the, the day that people are most excited about is Thursday, Friday. The first round of the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament is always so much fun, not because you're only getting upsets but because you're betting on all these games and it's there's buzzer beaters and all these things happening and that's all really fun but unless talent does survive all that the final is generally a little bit of a letdown and well, look I, at how the women's tournament went too there were some it ramped up at the right time and and i and that's why i'm kind of confused about how we got to this point because what's the explanation for San Diego State versus UConn. What's the explanation, I guess, for San Diego State? I think there's the argument that, okay, the COVID effects, like this team was good a couple years ago and stayed together and they're all like mid-20s because they (laughs) used their COVID eligibility. And it's like, yeah, they're like men playing against, in in some games, like against Alabama, right? Alabama's got Brandon Miller and all this NBA talent, but against a San Diego State team that is mid-20s, well, they were able to, as a team, overcome mm-hmm. the talent that Alabama had. Would the final have been better if it was Alabama versus UConn? Yeah, I think 100%. So I think there's a little bit of a COVID effect. But with the women's tournament and the transfer portal, which I believe opens today, I hate the transfer portal, but you'd think it should help, right? Because on the women's side, LSU loaded up, loaded up their team and had a legitimate title winner with mm-hmm. the depth that you need in most cases, to win a tournament like this. And, of course, off the bench, they get foul trouble and they get these contributions because they have a loaded roster. You'd think you'd see a little bit on the men's side with those teams beating the teams that have one-and-done NBA talent, but that doesn't seem to be the case. It was kind of two teams that don't necessarily have either. Like, yeah, UConn has a lot of talent and some transfer help, but it didn't scream that. It didn't scream LSU from the women's side. And of course, San Diego State, like that team's been together for a while. They're a little older and they were able to overcome some younger teams. But in the end, they weren't thrilling and they weren't really a threat, at least it seemed, against a complete UConn team. So I I don't know if it's good or bad for basketball, what's going on, or college basketball, what's going on. But you'd think there'd be more super teams, quote unquote. But I, I just didn't feel that from either team that we saw Monday night. We will have the results for our March Madness Bracket Challenge by the time the Wake and Rake rolls around. I'm currently grading them during the commercial breaks. Um, There were at least five people that selected UConn to win the national championship. And that question was worth four bonus points, right? So it could come down to a couple of your little upset picks, et cetera, et cetera. The national championship being, you know, if you picked UConn, you're going to have a good little chance here. But there was, what, 28 questions there's a lot of questions so far that nobody had the right answer for because this was a pretty crazy lead up to the final. They were tough. I mean, one of them was like, you know, the first, the lowest seed to win a first round game. I mean, fairly Dickinson. I don't think anyone had a number one falling. It might be possible. They did. They did have a couple number ones okay. falling. So, I mean, shout out to them. But, yeah, but, but the not majority did not right. predict and the I way mean, that this went. What, what else, what more than a UConn-San Diego State final uh, do you need as proof to this was a pretty tough mm-hmm. tournament to uh, prognosticate. So we'll have that for you grading them now. Um, 
the most important question was that last one. Who would have more correct answers, Justin or me? I don't know if I got a single answer right. To be <laughs> single honest. answer right. I don't. I can't remember. You think you got zero out recall. of whatever thirty something? Oh, I definitely didn't have a one seed falling. I definitely didn't have UConn. Hmm. I know I had Purdue being the first number one seed to fall. I know I had that. I think I might have had that too. Ah, damn it. I don't think it was a banner performance for me, though. Eh, it'll be fun to go through. We'll have that for you during the Wake and Rake and send in your picks at 590-590 because uh, you get three Toronto sports. This is it. This is major cons- consumption time of sports. It's Masters Week. You got all three teams in action. You got the push for the playoffs. You got the push for the play-in. Whew. Last night was the final of March Madness, but still counts for this week. There's lots going on. Uh, we're also giving away tickets to the Blue Jays later in the show. Have to stay tuned for that because that's big stuff. Jim Nance called his very final um, Final Four after 37 years last night. Um, 37 is a, like a stunning number. It's more than your age. Yeah, doing it longer than I've been alive is pretty. It's pretty wild. Uh, like uh, talk about. Hold, talk about holding, weeks that this holding, guy has. Holding too. jobs is a difficult thing, and he's done the pinnacle mm-hmm. of his sport, the pinnacle at least of college basketball for 37 straight years is unbelievable when you think about it yeah and he's an absolute legend as we know and i think a lot of people can connect with him from the masters from college basketball this was his final opportunity to Carrying call tony romo that's right yeah, he does a lot um we just want to play his sign off last night because you know this means a lot to someone 37 years of holding down the fort and being the voice of something that people tune in all over the world Here's Jim Nance on his final, final call. One thing I learned through all of this is everybody has a dream and everybody has a story to tell. Just try to find that story. Be kind. You've told it better than most, let me tell you. Can I tell you one other thing? I mean this. Not to try to play off hello friends, but to you, everybody in the college game, my CBS family, my family, all the viewers, thank you for being my friend. Oh, thank you for being my friend. It's really I see sweet. you welling up a little That's bit. That's just there. really sweet. All right, I'm not welling up, but I'm just giving the guys flowers. Um, one other thing on the national championships as we wrap this up: the cousins won. Jordan mm-hmm. Hawkins and Angel Reese, both national championships cousins, LSU and UConn. So that'll be one hell of a party. Less tweeting from. Jordan Hawkins, but I mean, Angel Reese, go on and tweet. Like, I'm, that's not a criticism, mm-hmm. but it's one was a little bit more part of the story than the other. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Jordan Hawkins and Adama Sonogo did win the most valuable yeah, player. There we go. So I hope our guy hedged. Oh, yeah. With Sonogo. I hope he texts in. He definitely didn't win the, the pool. No, no, no. That's tough. Uh, maybe he won our pool. We'll find out. Um, all right, let's move on. Raptors back in action, of course, tonight. Uh, Pascal Siakam was a guest on. ESPN's NBA Today yesterday, and he was asked about a couple things, including Nick Nurse's comments this past Friday, which we've talked about and we've played. Let's listen to how Siakam responds. And you know what? Let's just preface this. Like, what's he going to say? But he could have said a little more. Here's Pascal on Nurse's future. 
Um, yeah, again, uh, I think for me that's a question uh, above my pay grade, um, and and I don't, I, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and like you said, we focus on the season, um, wanting to finish strong and 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 give ourselves a, the best, you know, opportunity to, to be in the playoffs and and also um, have you know maybe win win some series in the playoffs. So I think that that's kind of like our focus and and the whole coaching and, and everything. You know, that'll be a Masai and Bobby question. What do you think, Justin? I, I didn't get much out of that, to be honest. I think the smile was maybe like, yeah, we kind of we kind of know what's going on. We heard on. about it. We heard what's going. Oh yeah, we heard about it. We kind of we kind of experienced it all season, where mm-hmm. it's like, are we are we all in this boat together? Are we all pulling the same way? Are we all pulling on the lever together? I, I don't know if they felt that, but again, we're trying to like read through lines and read body language. Again, he's in an impossible situation. He can't really answer truthfully. He can't really say anything more than what he said. I get the question has to be asked because it's pretty topical right now in mm-hmm. Toronto. Uh, but uh, I, hope, his pay grade. I hope it's a smile like it doesn't matter because we're going to play hard thing and we acknowledge what's happening, but whatever. Like I, that's kind of what I hope it is. All right, good because then. It, it felt like there was a little in that smile, but nothing through what he said. What about you? I feel like there was maybe a little bit of an opportunity to say, hey, Nick Nurse, is, we, we love, we like, he's our coach. We love him. We respect him. Like, yeah. we're, we're ready to play hard for our, like, you know, that, that noise doesn't bother us. He's go Nick Nurse. Like, he, he just said it was above his pay grade and that they're focused on playing meaningful games. Yeah, I forget I, half you know of what, what he right. said. He probably could have said, yeah, we love playing for Nick and we look forward to playing for Nick as, as long as we do. I just wanted to play the clip for the listeners. I don't feel any way whatsoever, but I thought it was just, you know, he was on ESPN's NBA Today. It's important. This, you know, this guy, he's the face of this team. What does he have to say about his coach? We're going to be talking about this for the next two weeks, so here's context for you. I don't think it's anything that we need to be up in arms about, but it's just interesting, okay? so Okay, something to chew on. We'll keep chewing on everyone commenting on on Nick Nurse. It's going to continue. See if we can glean anything. Read between the lines. Um, All right. Leafs news pending today. Doesn't sound like, I don't know, I don't have a a good gut feeling about Matt Murray's situation right now. No? I think it's it's pretty clear. But I mean in terms of his, like, prognosis. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Is that the right word or diagnosis? Prognosis. Uh, the diagnosis, some, if it's like, are gnosis. we diagnosing? <laughs> a gnosis of Matt Murray. A, a gnosis of your choosing. Yes. which I, Go, which I, someone will explain on the text line in five seconds. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What if this is the last we've seen of Matt Murray this season? Like, it, it truly could be. This is a guy that's dealt with some injuries, as we know. It didn't, you know, I, I he's had some concussion situation. If he's going to be out for some reason, and I would predict that it has to do with that fall where he snapped his head back and hit his head on the ice. Sure. Or a random ankle injury that's just could been popped be. up and all, all of a sudden he has to leave and Something warm up. Something could happen. But if that's the last we see of Matt Murray, what does this mean for the Maple Leafs goaltending situation moving forward? It's already been Ilya Samsonov season. Are we short-term or long-terming this? Just to the end of the season, like the end of the playoffs. I mean, like, I'm not as high on Joe Wall as everybody else seems to be in the market. Like, I'm you not better like, get high on Joe Wall. I'm not like, wow, Joe Wall in a playoff game, I'm going to feel comfortable. No, I'm not going to feel comfortable with Joe Wall in a playoff game. Like, it's just not going to happen. But if you get to a point where you have Joe Wall in a playoff game, well, you have other issues, right? This is Ilya Samsonov's net. There is no disputing whether he loses game one, wins game one, goes on the road, has a pressure pack game seven, mm-hmm. admits that he's nervous before game six. Like, it does not matter. It is his net. 
And if Matt Murray wants to sit on the bench, then he can. If not, Joe Wall can. Like, well, if Matt Murray sits on the bench, you, you might have to put him in the net. You might have to, but then you have bigger issues. If he's in the net, you're like, you can't trust him at this point. I get like it's a freak thing. He got uh, Lucas Raymond slid out from mm-hmm. under, like as skates, uh, whether caught, I'm not sure what happened, but he fell on his own accord and he took Matt Murray out. Yep. If it's a concussion, I'm not sure. If it was if it was just to be precautionary, I'm not really sure. But it doesn't matter to the goaltending situation at large because it's Samsonov's. So if he's there, that's great. But I don't think I think we're splitting hairs between Joe Wall and Matt Murray at this point, and neither of them are going to give you what you need in the playoffs. At least you, you can bank on that, or you can't bank on that. Samsonov's the guy. I don't think there's much of a fall from Wall to Murray. So whoever wants to wear the ball cap. Wear the ball cap. I think we are getting real excited about Joe Wall. We're drinking the Joe Wall Kool-Aid here because he looks pretty damn good in his opportunities to play for this team as we've seen a small sample size, and he's obviously doing really well with the Marlies. Marlies have something to play for too, so I kind of feel bad if you're just like, hey, Joe Wall, we'll just take you for the next little while. You guys figure it out there Mm -hmm. on your playoff push. Um, But I I don't know. We're going to find out today. We do have Luke Fox on the show. Um, He's coming on at 7. Maybe he has an update on where Matt Murray's at, but it it could be... could be seeing a little while for Matt Murray. Long long term, I think long terms. I mean, it's not the more. It's definitely not the more pressing thing. It's not the more interesting thing. I don't think either. But this summer, like, I mean, you have to find a way to not spend at least cap dollars on Matt Murray. Like, you can't do this again. Yeah. It's over, right? It's a hundred percent over. He has not shown you uh, quality enough performances in net. It doesn't look like he's the athlete he once was. And, of course, the reliability factor is the big thing. Joe Wall emerging. I think you feel very comfortable with Samsonov and Wall moving forward at least next season next season to start. But you have to figure out a contract with Samsonov, and you have to figure out a way to stash Matt Murray on Robida Island. He's going to be a high-paid member <laughs> mm-hmm. of that uh, of that timeshare if he indeed, if he indeed <laughs> accepts. Because uh, I think he's making $8 million in real dollars next year yeah. and almost $5 million in cap dollars. But if you're going to pay Samsonov... You probably have to cut into that Murray earning or the Murray earnings, and they got to find a way to do it because this was a mistake. Matt Murray was a mistake, but fortunately for the Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas, they've hit a home run with spending a million and eight hundred thousand dollars on Ilya Samsonov. It's officially untenable, is it? I think it's pretty tenable actually right now because it doesn't matter. The cap dollars are in. The team is set. You are what you are, and finally. The team has brought up a homegrown goaltender. I'm just worried about if Matt Murray is not an option for the next couple of days and you're starting to run Elias Hampson off into the ground. But that's why you got to have Joe Wall it's up Joe here. Wall time. He's got to get Joe a Joe Wall in run Boston. Here. Joe Wall versus Tampa Bay. You might Joe see Joe Wall's going to get some starts here. He should probably start tonight, wouldn't you think? Oh, against Columbus, he definitely should be. He should start tonight. I don't know if that's predicted or not, but... I'm putting it out there. Get Joe Wall in the net tonight. I would expect. You get the Bruins on Thursday. I I could see Samsonov playing that one. Yeah, I mean, I think he should. I think feeling that would be a good thing for Ilya Samsonov. Uh, I don't know if you have to play Tampa on the second half of back-to-back. Like we talked about yesterday, you can punt that game if you want to. No, I think you're you're trying to be a little little sneaky about that one. Ryan O'Reilly should be back soon. Um, Apparently on the mend here, looking like it's this week. Possibly as early as tonight. That's what Sheldon Keith had said before, but haven't heard too much about it lately. We'll also ask Luke Fox about that. So maybe we have a Ryan O'Reilly and a Matt Murray update at 7 a.m. Wouldn't that be nice? Let's take a break, though, because we've got the A-list. We've got some Blue Jays 
updates in terms of the Rogers Center. Also, Justin and I are going to see it. The unveiling this we're, week. We're not just seeing it. I think we're eating some food, too. We're doing the whole shebang. We're going to the Rogers Center, I believe, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And they're allowing for select media members. Look at us go. To go in there to see this ribbon cutting, which I don't know if you saw in the press release. It's from foul pole to foul pole. Really? The ribbon is that long. And they're going to cut it probably in multiple spots. A monster ribbon <laughs> cutting spots. ceremony. And we get to walk around the ballpark and check out the new stuff. And then we'll come on Friday and we'll tell you all about it. Yeah, we we'll get to have try a some full review Friday of the new ballpark. You know where I'm ripping to? Where are you ripping to? The, the Schneider's porch, baby. You're going to go with what you already know? Aren't you going to try That's some of the new That's a brand new area. No, I mean to go check it out. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get right up there on the fence, and I'll know exactly where hours my, there, spots, probably. my spots are. Uh, we'll talk about that. But they did announce a new section mm-hmm. of the Rogers Center, which was uh, previously unknown. We'll talk about that in the A-list. And also, Jill Biden. Strange, it's a strange tee-up for the A-list, but Jill Biden is in the A-list. That's next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now, it's time for hey, the A-list. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? All right. The Rogers Center is cooking along there. It's putting the finishing touches on. And a new video emerged of a bleachers section in right field. Mm. A first-come, first-serve fan section with just beautiful bleachers. Just sit your butt down on a bleacher. Make some noise. It's called the Rogers Landing. Now, I like the idea a lot, and I like Rogers a lot. But let me tell you, (laughs) that is going to be a bit of a fiasco, is it not? Where you're going to be... The gate's open, and you're ripping to Rogers Landing. And what, you lay out, like, 14 pieces of apparel and your keys and your cell phone, and Mm. you're trying to save a bunch of seats for your buddies. What's the protocol here? How are they policing this? Because first come, first serve could be a bit uh, messy. And then also, what if you get up to, you know, get loony dogs, middle of the eighth. I was going to bring up the loony dogs thing. Fifth inning, and somebody snags your spot. Like, I just, I want to know the protocol. We can ask about this when we go on Thursday, how this will be policed. Because first come, first serve and bleachers. I don't think many, you can. How many butts fit? I don't think you can police it. Just I a think, free for I all think it's going to be a little bit of a free for all. Oh, it's okay. going to be kind of fun. I don't then. know. Home runs being hit into that it's gonna be area rowdy. It's going to be pretty fun. I, I, I do worry a little. Like, it might not be my scene. I probably need a, I probably need a seat. Probably need a signed seat. Don't want to be battling with anyone. I don't need any confrontations out there in the bleachers, but uh, I like that there'll be a little noise aspect because whenever there's bleachers, you got people slamming their feet. That's all very fun. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, it's going to be complicated if you go up and get a beer or a loony dog. I don't know if you're going to be disappointed when you come back and have someone, some mutants sprawled over your area and you're going to be pretty disappointed, I think. So uh, I guess you have to get, so you got to get a ticket, got to get a seat, and then you just make that your home. Yes, I believe so. It's kind of like those uh, $20 tickets we talked about where you just get to roam. Mm-hmm. So they're not I believe you could roam tickets. right into... That's a question that I don't know the answer to, but I believe it's part of that $20 outfield ticket. Right. We can ask on Thursday. But that makes sense to Yeah, me. we'll do some investigative journalism. Because you buying bleacher tickets? Because what if you have a ticket uh, in the 500s, you want to come down to bleacher? Are they checking tickets when you sit down in the bleachers? Well, like, that would be the move, right? 
Oh my god! And if but then if how many everyone thinks that's the move, it might be a little dicey. Anyway, it's right over, I believe, the opposing bullpen, which is awesome too. Someone's just gonna, making noise. Someone's gonna get rowdy and hanging off the bleachers. Just hop right over. I think this season we will see somebody try to jump into the bullpen. I hope not. Don't encourage anyone, Alish. No, don't do that. Uh, nonetheless, it looks pretty cool. They have done some really innovative things with this ballpark. Beautiful. I'm excited to go check it out. Uh, this being one of them, I think I'll be buying a lot of last minute twenty dollar outfield tickets, just ripping down to the Rogers Center on a Wednesday night. There you go, stamp of approval from you. Seems pretty. Uh, Pretty accessible at this point. And bleachers, that's fun. You can just sit with your buddies. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting seats all together. You can just get there early and throw all your articles of clothing down. Okay. Uh, I mentioned Jill Biden. Jill Biden, to be specific here. Yeah, you're combining Joe and Jill. Yeah, you have to be very, I have to pronounce that articulately. Jill Biden made some news yesterday in the sporting world. We have the clip first. Um, she wants to invite both teams to the White House, the winners and the losers at the women's final four. So I know we'll have the champions come to um, to the White House. We always do. So, you know, we'll have LSU come. But you know what? I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. So, right? Oh. So, winners and so losers, bad. that's sportsmanship. That's good sportsmanship. Oh, no, no, Jill. No, I'm going to let you go on this because I know you're more passionate Jill, than I Jill, am. Jill, Jill, Jill. What's wrong with this? We are not inviting the runner-up to the White House as a pity invite because they played a good game. There are winners and losers in sport. This is a tradition that I don't know how long it's been going on. Winning teams go to see the White House and visit with the president. If I'm Iowa, that's just like a slap in the face to me. And I understand. She said it's good sportsmanship. No. Like, for me, you win, you go, you lose, you're done. There isn't this second invite because you played a good game. And she specifically, I think, mentions Caitlin Clark. It's like, now go win and get yourself to the White House yourself. Yeah, Jill Biden wants to prove that LSU and Iowa were, in fact, playing nice in, in and that she, championship What does she game. want to have them all up there together and no. be all friendly? Yeah, like, like, what are you, Angel Reese going to do the John Cena from Caitlin Clark at the White House? <laughs> with Biden? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's perfect for Angel Reese. Like, she it's just bad. gets to mock this team even more because they're getting some, like, participation. It's their honor. Trophy. They won. Exactly. LSU won the championship. Let can, them have their moment. I can tell who Jill Biden was cheering for. Yeah. I think it was Caitlin Clark. I think she wanted to meet Caitlin Clark and maybe a little disappointed LSU are one for whatever reason. But no, that's not that's not how it works, Jill. Not how it works. No. You don't get handouts just because, you know, you're Caitlin Clark. You got to win it. Go in and get yourself to the White House if you, you can, care You that can much. have a little uh, meet and greet with Caitlin Clark at a different date. Like Wonderful. at a different Maybe location. Maybe next year because she's still going to be playing. Go to Iowa. Vince McMahon. I, I saw Vince McMahon for the first time yesterday in a long, long time. Let me just tell you, if you go look him up right now, jump scare. Be careful. Because <laughs> it is alarming. Alarming. Yeah. Danielle sent me that tweet and I went, huh? <laughs> right? He looks like he's uh, like an extra in Narcos. Legitimately, he looked like 
if Austin Matthews wanted to dress up, like, remember when he was doing the mustache thing and then we were, like, having the fun where he's trying to be, like, poppy and he had the mustache and then mm-hmm. people were photoshopping him and that guy sitting on the bench in Narcos? Pablo. It's, like, him, but, like, 89 years old. Like a crony or a henchman. Like an older guy. But, yeah, he's frightening. He looks like he's got more Botox than, like, he, is he humanly possible. He can't yes. move his face. It's unbelievable. I will say it's a very expertly crafted mustache. It's very, very precise. The, uh, but it's not even the, the mustache. He, his hair is jet black all of a mm-hmm. sudden. It wasn't like that a couple of weeks ago. He has a very dark stash, and it's, it's just a bit evil looking. Steroid use. You got to be uh, careful about steroid use, I think. You think it has to do with steroid use? I, yes. You know, you don't think Vince McMahon your looks... hair just it, it turns black well, with steroids? I, mean, I don't dying, know that he's dying his hair, but the rest of him looks like a former steroid user. There's a lot going or on, or a there. current steroid user who definitely shouldn't be using steroids. Anyway, go take a look this morning, or not. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to enjoy your day, do not look at Vince McMahon. He's doing something. He's, he's rebranding. Sometimes you need to do that in life. Just rebrand who you are. And Vince McMahon decided to do just that. I don't know, win, winner or a loser. We missed that. It was a Monday thing, but he looks very different and uh, like a heel. Yeah, maybe to he's use just, a wrestling term. Maybe he's just planning for like a new, because they have new identities, right? Like you, maybe mm-hmm. you're, I don't know, why did gold dust come into my head? Is that Dusty Rhodes? Like you, you, have, you have different monikers, right? So Daniele should know. Vince McMahon is now doing a new character, and uh, I don't want to see that storyline. All right. Luke Fox on the other side of the break. Uh, Maple Leafs back in action tonight is their pride night. They've got maybe some Matt Murray updates, maybe some Ryan O'Reilly updates. Nonetheless, we've got lots to run down with him, followed by Shai Davidi. So just keep the content coming here. 595.90, send in your wake and rake picks. But we also have Rick Nash on the show at 8 o'clock. Big lineup for us here on a Tuesday morning. Luke Fox on the other side of the break.